0: Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I have a great show today for you guys. I have a lot to talk about, and I know this is going to be a very, very good show for you guys. It's going to be very encouraging, challenging, and uplifting and all of that good stuff. But I've really been thinking lately as as the church and as the world engages in race conversations and as the church we know our purpose is to point people to Christ and our goal is racial reconciliation and so i've really been thinking about what are some areas where i see um where what are some areas where i see w- the church can do better at where are some areas we have opportunity where we may be missing because i've been encouraged and convicted seems like regularly now, as I see many believers, white, black, um, Hispanic, different ethnicities coming together to talk and worship and pray together and talk, talk through these very complex issues. And I just begin to think, think like, what is the area we could do better at? And so I don't want to offend anyone when I say this, but I think This is a very important aspect in the conversation. Most Christians, and hear me good when I say this, most Christians will admit all people, all people, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Indian, Arab, most Christians will admit that all people are guilty of partiality or racism. But one of the areas I believe the church can do a better job at when addressing the topic of racism is how the power aspect has played a role. For example, a homeless person and a CEO can both be racist or show partiality, but only one has real power and authority to negatively affect the lives of the ones his partiality is against. When the church looks at American history and fails to be honest about the fact that partiality plus power has favored white people largely above other ethnicities and how it has affected the black community psychologically and opportunistically from generation to generation, we lose credibility with people who are looking for honesty and refuge and help fuel organizations like black lives matter who have an anti-Christ agenda as the church. I believe we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Our voice is needed, but if our voice is void of humility and love, We need to be silent until these things become our foundation. Some of us are so busy trying to win arguments that we're missing opportunities. Now, listen, I have white and black Christians who listen to my show from all age ranges from 18 to 60. And listen, this is not a shot at white people. You can actually benefit from partiality without actually being guilty of partiality. And what I've just said is not to say that black people can't be racist or have partiality. I'm not even saying that black people can't be in positions of authority and abuse that authority. Because I've seen it happen I've seen black people abuse authority And be racist against white people But what I'm saying is If we are to step back And look at American history And look at America as a whole And deal with majorities As it relates to people, groups Partiality and power I do believe that it has favored White people And I'm not saying that if you're a white person listening and you don't have racism in your heart or partiality in your heart, this, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty, but as believers, we have a responsibility to acknowledge truth. And from that truth, proclaim the gospel and call all men to repentance. And so I think this is a a interesting aspect. I would be curious to hear what some of your you guys thoughts are on what I just said. And listen, I don't get offended when I have these conversations if you, unless you're just disrespectful and call me out on my name, but I don't get offended. Listen, I have black friends, white friends. My brother in law is white. Like I have people like I have white Christians who I consider my brothers and sisters in Christ. Just like and I see them no differently than my, than my black brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're all one in Christ. But the reality is we're dealing with um, a, a topic and an issue that has has really is really partiality that has affected the church. So we're navigating through a secular system and trying to bring Christ to a secular system. And so for us to effectively bring Christ to a secular system, I don't believe that we can ignore the partiality and the sin within the system. And so hopefully I'm clear in that. But with everything that's going on, I've, I've been extremely challenged. I've been encouraged, I've been challenged um, to walk in love and humility. And when I bring up these points, Hear my heart. I'm not trying to win a debate. I'm not trying to win an argument. My goal is is truly racial reconciliation. My goal is unity in the spirit. And I still believe Jesus is the answer. This isn't just for for the world, but a reminder for the church that he's still the answer. We need to be reminded of this. And we need to repent. Of our biases and partiality against one another some of us don't even realize that we have partiality and bias in our heart because we're too prideful to examine ourselves because we're too busy trying to win arguments instead of trying to win souls and edify one another we need to repent for putting our political parties our cliques, our denominations, and ethnic pride above loving one another, and striving to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse one through eight. I'm gonna just let the scriptures talk. It says, "If I speak in tongues, if I speak in the tongues of men, and of angels." but have not love. I am a noisy, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, But rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Listen if what we are fighting for is not rooted in love, we are nothing. It means nothing. Believer, we have to be rooted in love. And I hear people say, oh, I tell the truth because I love. It it would be unloving for me to tell the truth. And they use that as an, an excuse to have a bad attitude and have, a, and have a, a, um, a rude approach to people. But the Bible says, be gentle as a dove, be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. So it's not just what we're saying, but it's how we say it. Our approach to these issues matter. The spirit in which we approach these things matter. And if we are void of love, We are void of our true purpose as the church. First, um, not first, John, but John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Jesus says this. He says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And get this verse 35 by this, how we love each other by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, if you have love for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. Listen, we're so busy fighting that we can't even be effective witnesses to the world because we just have to be right all the time when we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 gives us the fruit of the spirit. And it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, Self-control against such things. There is no law. Listen, I'm reminded of Peter. In Acts chapter 10. In Galatians 2. And I hit on this a little bit last episode, but I want to kind of revisit this because I think this is so relevant to to the conversation or the topic and where I'm going with this. <clears throat> when we look at Peter in chapter 10. He's receiving revelation that God shows no partiality. He's on the roof and he receives a vision from the Lord. And he realizes, hey, salvation isn't just for Israel. Salvation is. Isn't Christ didn't just die for the Jews, but he died for the sins of the world. He died for the sins of everyone. And so we find Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 35, saying, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him. And does what is right is acceptable to him and so Peter receives this revelation that Christ is no respecter of person yet in Galatians 2 we see Paul confronting Peter to his face for his partiality towards the Jews let me paint the picture In Galatians 2, Peter is sitting and breaking bread with the Gentiles. He's having a good time. They're just breaking bread. And as soon as James and the Jews enter the room, the Bible lets us know that Peter withdrew himself from the Gentiles for fear of what the Jews would think when they saw him Sitting and eating with Gentiles and so he 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 showed partiality. He had respect of persons towards the Jews and he cared more what the Jews thought of him than what God thought of him. And so here we have Peter in Acts chapter 10 receiving revelation that there is no respecter of persons, that God shows no partiality towards the Jews over the Gentiles. And and, and he receives this revelation. And despite how true and profound this revelation that Peter gets, he is still found guilty of partiality and respect of persons. And so Paul says, I confronted him to his face. And why is this relevant for what I'm talking about today, many of us think just because we know that respect of persons and partiality is a sin, we think that we don't have any in our heart. Oh, I know racism is a sin, so I can't be racist. But there is a difference between having knowledge of something. And submitting to revelation. Revelation. Paul, uh, Peter received revelation, but he had not fully submitted to that revelation. And so many of us have partiality in our hearts and we don't even realize it. And it may and I'm talking about all partiality. I'm not just talking about racism. I'm talking about partiality, period. You may have favoritism towards Uh, friends and you may have favoritism towards a people group at work you all partiality is a sin and so because many of us are not willing to admit or even examine ourselves we give place to the devil We're so busy fighting each other that we're losing sight of who the real enemy is. And so we have to first examine ourselves. And show compassion to people. So we can get in the fight. It is time for us to know our enemy. And I want to take a look real quick at first Peter chapter five. Verse five through nine. I was reading this earlier and it just really began to prick my heart, convict me. And I've read this plenty of times, but it just hit differently today as I was praying and meditating on the word and thinking about this topic. In verse five, it starts off by saying, likewise, you are you who are younger, be subject to the elders Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. I'm going to read that that part again. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For good for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble Here's here's something that we we have to chew on. You can't operate in grace and pride at the same time. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want to operate in grace, y'all. Verse six, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that At the proper time, he may exhort you. Verse seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse eight, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Verse nine. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so we have an enemy. We can't afford to be fighting each other. And so we have to humble ourselves and love one another. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so we can be sober minded and ready to face our adversary the devil Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 2 says and you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins verse 2 wherein time passed you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So the Bible is letting us know that we at one time walked according to the devil, who is the prince, or in other words, the, the, when it says prince, it means he's the ruler Of the power of the air the that word air there can be translated to atmosphere so Satan is the ruler of the atmosphere and he's working in the children of disobedience this is why we see so much chaos right now an anarchy a resistance against authority hearts wax cold It is the work of the devil. And so we as believers, it's time for us to refocus. And refocus and has to start with us repenting and humbling ourselves so we can focus on the real adversary. We have to understand who the real enemy is. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13 lets us know, starting at verse 12, excuse me. Through verse 13, it lets us know, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is why we can't we can't abandon prayer. In reading the Word, we're trying to—we're so busy trying to be intellectual that we forget that we're fighting a spiritual fight. We—we've become so intellectual that we—we're we're not diligent in prayer. We've become so intellectual that we treat the Bible like a college textbook, and not as the actual Word of God that instructs our lives. We approach we have to stop approaching the Bible with the intent of getting ammunition to win debates. He is my personal Lord and Savior. He is he is my is I have a personal relationship with the Lord. You have a personal relationship with the Lord. It's personal. It should never not be personal. And so if it's personal and if he's my Lord and Savior, I give him free reign in my life. I give him free reign in my heart. The Holy Spirit can lead and guide me into all truth. I don't want to grieve him. It is time to refocus on the real enemy. And listen, this should not be interpreted as an excuse To not deal with what we see in the natural. But for us to effectively address the natural, we have to deal with the root. We must understand that the devil operates through people. The devil operates through man's rebellion towards God and love for sin. We see this throughout history. He has used kings and kingdoms, governments, community leaders, and even those within the church to accomplish his plan within the earth. When we look at Judas, Judas walked with the Lord. He even cast out demons. He was a part um, of when Jesus sent them out two by two to cast out demons. Judas was in that. He was one of the disciples that was sent out judas sat at the at the last supper and the bible lets us know that satan entered into him and judas betrayed our lord we look at peter in the scriptures when jesus begins to share how he's gonna suffer and die peter rebukes the Lord and said, I'm not going to let you die. And what does Jesus respond to him? He doesn't, he doesn't rebuke Peter. He rebukes Satan using Peter. He says, Satan, get thee behind me. You do not honor the things that be of God. And so the enemy uses people and will even use people within the church. And we have to be We have to we have to acknowledge that even like when we look at the story of Daniel and when his prayer was held up. The Bible lets us know that his prayer was held up by the king, uh, the prince of Persia. And though we know Persia had a physical ruler, the context was a spiritual entity. His prayers were held up in the spirit realm and there was a war that took place in the spirit realm. Where where I believe Gabriel, the archangel, had to call for a uh, help from Michael and his um, army to come help to get this prayer through. And he says the prayer was held up for like 10 days. That had to be a crazy war going on in the spirit. But our enemy is not physical, but spiritual. And so throughout history, the enemy, the devil has used kings and kingdoms and governments and community leaders. This is why I can get behind the idea that black lives matter, but I can't support the organization because it's demonic. They advocate for they have an antichrist agenda. The organization does. Fighting for trans to push the transgender and the LGBT agenda. These agendas are antichrist. And so while I can get behind Black Lives Matter, I can't get behind Black Lives Matter. The organization. It's just like the enemy to. Attach himself to a legitimate issue And present other agendas That's why we see The monument Where the um, confederate soldier Or or general was taken down It started out about Black lives matter and then Soon as the statue went down They lit the whole uh, Base of the monument up With the rainbow uh, To represent Homosexuals in the LGBT community with the black lives matter above it. And so, we as Christians have to be vigilant. We have to be sober-minded. The enemy has used governments and he uses people, he uses leaders, he uses people around us. And I'm looking at as I, as we look at if we take a look at Isaiah chapter 14 verse 9 through 19. It gives us a description of the devil and the leaders and the kings of the earth that he's that he used to oppress people and deceive people. In verse 14, Isaiah is he prophesying. He starts out in verse nine and he says, "Sheol, or in other words, hell beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the shades to greet you. All who were leaders of the earth, it raises from their thrones. All who were kings of the nations, all of them will answer and say to you, you too. Now, this is the kings of the earth and the kings of nations uh, looking at Satan as he's brought to hell. And they say, you too have become as weak as we. You, too, have become as weak as we you have become like us. Your pomp is brought down to hell. In other words, your authority and your excellence is brought down to hell. The sound of your harps. Maggots. And and when it says sound of your harps, what you guys got to understand is Satan didn't isn't just wasn't or isn't just gifted musically, but he's literally an instrument. When you read through Ezekiel, I believe 28, it talks about how the pipes that were prepared in thee, or the pipes that were put um, prepared in him are literally a part of his frame and his makeup. And so it says the sound of your harps, maggots are laid as a bed beneath you, and worms are your covers. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly. In the far reaches of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. This is Satan. He's talking about Satan and what he said in his heart. But you are brought down to hell to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who took? Who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities? Who did not let his prisoners go home? Listen, this I, I hope you guys are, are contextualizing this. When we see crime and death reigning in cities, the Bible's letting us know this is 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 Satan is demonic activity behind the evil that we see in the world. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that men are not responsible for their sin, but men become susceptible to be used by the devil by giving in to their fleshly desires and their sin. And so because men rebel against God and reject God, they are we as human beings are in our sinful nature. Are prone to be used by the devil because he opposes the things of God and he knows how to appeal to our sinful hearts and our sinful desires and so in verse 17 it says who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities who did not let his prisoners go home all the kings of the nations lie in glory each in his own tomb." But you are cast out away from your grave like a loath, like a loathed branch clothed with the slain. Those who pierced by the sword who go down to the stones of the pit like a dead body trampled under foot. So it's talking about. What we look at the end of the scripture, it gives us a description of Satan's end. Yes, we see the chaos that's happening in the world right now. Yeah, we see the evil that's happening in the world right now. But God has the last say. Satan isn't just defeated now, but he will be defeated later. He will be brought low. He will, the the, the kings of the nations and the leaders who he deceived will look at him and say you're you you've become just like us. You didn't really have any real power. God has the power. Jesus defeated death, both death hell and the grave, and he took the keys with him when he got up. Listen, we are victorious in Christ Jesus. It is time for us to not to realize or it is time for us to realize who we are in christ my brothers and sisters i don't have aught against you i don't have a, a fight against you whether you're black white yellow arab indian asian if you are in christ jesus you are my brother you are my sister and we have a real enemy that we're fighting. We have a goal that we have to attend to. And you know what that goal is? It is the great commission found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 18 through 20. And it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are to preach the gospel and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It is time for us as the church to take our rightful place. Come on now. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. I'm going to leave you with this. It says, and we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and we loved not our lives unto death. Listen, it's time for us to start testifying of the goodness of Jesus. Many of us lack compassion in the midst of these controversial times because we forgot the pit that the Lord put pulled us out of. Sometimes it's good to take yourself mentally back to where you were when the Lord found you or when the Lord grabbed you. It is time for us to. To take our rightful place. For we know. It is not by power nor by might. But by the spirit of the Lord. And so it's time for us to fight. It's time for us to start declaring the works of the Lord. It is time. For we are living epistles read of men. I don't know about you but I I I take my witness seriously I want when people to see me that they see Christ I don't want them to see a good debater I don't want this I don't want I don't want people to see someone who's clever with words I want to see I want people to see someone who loves God I want them to see Christ when they see me let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Listen, thank you guys for tuning in to the Path of Revelation podcast. Please write in, leave your prayer requests and suggestions for future shows. If you have any questions about anything that you hear on any episode or on this episode go to pathofrevelationnow.com write in you can uh leave donations if you would like to or feel led to my cash app is gabriel t parker or you can paypal it um it's path of revelation now at gmail.com listen thank you guys for tuning in this is the path of revelation podcast and this is where the culture meets scripture